Hi, this is Varun Haran, Associate Editor with Information Security Media Group in Asia. I have with me Ashish Thapar, who is Managing Principal APAC for Verizon Enterprise Solutions. It's that time of the year, it's the report season, and we have Verizon's DBIR report, the Data Breach Investigations Report, that is in its 10th edition. And Ashish is going to be picking on some of the top trends for us and the implications for the industry on the whole. Hi, Ashish. Thanks for joining us once again. Pleasure to be here, Varun. Thank you. Ashish, another year gone. So this is the 10th edition. What are some of the major trends this year in the DBIR? Is the much anticipated report? of every year. Absolutely. I think we are releasing our 10th anniversary edition of Data Breach Investigation Report that includes data from 65 contributing organizations. I think this year we add about 42,000 incidents and about 2,000 breaches from 84 countries. Some of the key findings, if I may touch on this, we are seeing cyber espionage is really picking up. You know, while cyber espionage and financial motives cover about 93% of the total incident data set that we have, cyber espionage definitely we can see that it's hitting the manufacturing public sector and education enterprise big time right that's one of the key takeaways some of the other things that we also see big time is you know we can see malware is becoming a big business as such we see a lot of attacks through ransomware sometimes that ransomware could be just to extort money from victims uh, or sometimes it could be uh, actually just a smoke screen to really but just to create that noise in the system uh, these kind of techniques are being used Social engineering, phishing is still a go-to technique. I think we definitely see things like pretexting on the rise, you know, with respect to business email compromise, wire transfers being processed by organizations that may not have robust technological and process controls in place. And of course, phishing, which is no-brainer, right? But it's quite shocking that the kind of success rate that the cyber criminals are getting through phishing exercises is something worrisome. Top three industries, if I may call again, is financial services, 24%, healthcare, 15%, percent and public sector 12 percent in terms of the total data set and one big thing that comes out loud and clear in this year's report is that smaller organizations are becoming a target more than ever before which is quite a expected trend i think we are seeing that the cyber criminals are pressing pretty much you know moving to softer targets 61 percent of the victims analyzed were businesses with fewer than thousand employees that's 61 percent more than half of that number so ashish you mentioned 65 organizations these are organizations from around the globe i assume absolutely uh, across the globe uh, we do have contributors from asia pacific and obviously a lot of global companies uh, north american companies uh, law enforcement organizations third organizations security product companies and consulting organizations so would you have some data points when you compare to what the trends were in your report from last year what is different this year what is new what is something different that wasn't there in the previous report yeah, that's a very interesting question. And, you know, uh, sometimes it's difficult to answer that when you kind of keep seeing the same trend being increasing. I won't say that, you know, there is anything which is really shaking the way things have evolved in last one or two years. I think it's, we see continuing trends. We definitely see more and more breaches in the healthcare sector. And we see a lot of threat actors coming from insiders in the healthcare sector. So I think that's one of the big revelations which also comes in, which uh, possibly is different from last time. We see public sector entities. Definitely, we see an increase on this size as far as 
the breach victims are concerned so public sector entities are possibly being attacked more than ever before and especially you know as you know with the mandatory data breach disclosure notification requirements are not necessarily present in the APAC geography globally yes but I think uh, geographies like Asia Pacific could be kind of feeling that pinch of not having those kind of statutes in place Australia obviously is the first country that has really uh, brought up this notification which right. will kick in by year 2018 but I think as the public sector organizations they may not have the funding like banks but they definitely have a lot of sensitive information of citizens and residents which could be up for grabs and especially with some of the major projects going on in different countries in terms of unique identity exploration research work uh, I think this becomes a very worrisome sector both from a cyber warfare as well as from a critical infrastructure protection perspective uh, let's speak a bit more about cyber espionage what would you say about the motivations of the attackers is it still monetary motivation or has it got more to do with strategic nation-state kind of goals that's a very pertinent question Varun. I'll tell you see what happens is you know financial motives could be motives that may come in for a very fast you know hit and run kind of strategy cyber espionage is where the threat actors are in the game for a long time right they are very well prepared they are very well funded they are far more skilled and having a abundance of resources at their disposal when they really do a cyber espionage attack and that's why you see you don't see normally banks being hit with cyber espionage you see in terms of the analysis that we saw about 21% of the cases we see only three industries really being hit hard one is manufacturing second is public sector and education and now if you combine these sectors and try to look at what are the motives the motives are very clear one it could be citizens information it could be residents information which is PII health records identifiable information um, it could be in research information intellectual property information with right. manufacturing companies and obviously with respect to education there are a lot of universities across the globe that are doing a lot of research a lot of schools that are doing a lot of research right that research information uh, although it could be in the nascent stages but then you know it's like freebies up for grabs if, if these institutions are not really protected good enough they file for patents they file for research they invest a lot of money and time again intellectual property could be possibly the focus there but on an overall level I think I'll call the motives as uh, mainly getting access to intellectual property getting access to residents and citizens data sensitive information and obviously uh, more importantly sometimes to get a foot hold in the in the victim to really sniff and uh, possibly sabotage all right, so that's interesting. That's on the attacker side of things. But what about the defenders side of the table? In in the security context, what are some of the, let's say, toxic things that organizations continue to do that make them vulnerable? What are some common mistakes that are being perpetuated? You know, it's, it's a very funny thing that you brought about. And I'm not saying funny in terms of putting it on a lighter note, but I think it's a very serious thing, which looks like very funny at times to us when we investigate. When we go into investigations, you know, a shocking revelation that comes to us pretty much, you know, know i would say 60 to 70 percent of the time is basic things missing right uh, we are continuing investigations even today we are doing some investigations and i can see even the logs are missing you know sometimes the patch management is not in place you know one is i think organizations really need to uh, patch promptly they really need to guard and make it difficult for the bad guys right don't make it easy for them because end of the day if they are not really state sponsored and it's not a targeted attack as such they would move on right they look for softer targets make the game difficult for them number two is 
because I think they, the organization really need to stay vigilant. They need to have a very strong, deep and wide visibility into their infrastructure. And I would actually say that it's not only about log review. I think today the things have really changed from only from a log review perspective. I think they need to really exercise things like tabletop exercises, being prepared to handle such eventualities. And while you are doing monitoring, don't only look at logs of only network systems or security systems, right? Your endpoint could be far as important as, as your firewall could be, right? Because today there is no question of defined perimeter in an enterprise. Basically, every desktop or laptop or a mobile phone that a company owns is pretty much sitting on the perimeter as such, right? Because you really need to break one end of the chain to get in. So you need to have deep and wide visibility. You need to move beyond the basic hygiene solutions like antiviruses, uh, you know, a seam engine possibly from a detection perspective. You need to move a little higher up technologies like file integrity monitoring systems, technologies which can help you do anomaly detection, technologies that can give you a deeper visibility into packets, uh, not only looking at logs or headers, but actually packet contents, if you will. And obviously from an endpoint detection and response, EDR solutions are definitely something that organizations should implement from a detection standpoint. Two-factor authentication is a no-brainer. I would say I think multi-factor authentication or two-factor, I think can really change the game because, you know, let me connect that back to the one of the major findings that we continue to see since last year. Phishing, malware and stolen credentials are the three common themes that we see in most of the data breaches. And I think uh, you really need to break the chain, right? You break the kill chain by basically disrupting uh, wherever you can create impediments in your strategy uh, for the bad guys to really face those impediments when they are traversing through your network, whether it is from an endpoint to the uh, core or from a network firewall back to the core, right? It could be either ways. You need to have different systems, isolation of networks, air gapping, if you will, for sensitive systems, ensuring that the two-factor multi-factor authentication is in place because end of the day, they get to the credentials and from there, they really start creating problems, right? And this is a very common theme that we see. So I was going to ask you, you know, what some recommendations are that you can share, but I think you've already shared some of those. So let me ask you, uh, you know, in terms of how organizations are responding to these threats, because like you said, these are continuing trends. These aren't uh, out of the blue. These aren't coming as a big surprise to anyone. So are organizations dealing with them in a new way or are they continuing to do things the way they used to do them? Are they adapting new strategies to deal with these things? Do you see that happening? Yeah, I, I think there is only one silver lining that we see in the report and I'm very happy to see that actually. We see that as far as the breach discovery methods are concerned, I think we are seeing that the breach discovery happening from internal sources is going up, which is a very positive situation. We are seeing that the internal sources are really ramping up their game. They're really uh, putting up more defenses and, and really trying to catch up. You know, last year the gap was really widening. We call it the detection gap or the innovation gap as you may call it. But then we are seeing the organizations are pulling up themselves more visibility, more infrastructure spending going on, more investments, not only in the technology, the process re-engineering, you know, a lot of the risk that you can really avoid is possibly through process re-engineering. You may not really require technology solutions sometimes for some of the problems. So I think the organizations are trying to solve that, but I think they really need a little bit of a regulator push. They really need sometimes a bit of legal statutes to back their efforts. Not to say that organizations don't want to do it. I think sometimes, you know, being, being fair with them, I, their core business is possibly to run their enterprise right from the core business that they operate in but uh, what happens is possibly security may really see very less investment just because there is no push behind it right sometimes you really need a positive push a positive nudge as you may call it to ensure that the chief information officers CTOs CROs or CISOs really need that investment back from the board from the investors and I see you know even in geographies like Australia for example that law has come up I know Singapore government is really coming up with a cyber security law I know Indian government 
government is also thinking about uh, putting that data protection regime back in place. Uh, you know, it was on the back burner. I think we, there are talks that by third quarter of this year, possibly that may come up. Uh, so I think these are positive developments that are happening from the government side. I can absolutely see enterprises trying to catch up. Uh, certain sectors are lagging behind, um, you know, sectors like manufacturing, sectors like retail and hospitality. Uh, I think they are lagging behind and possibly bearing the brunt because of uh, not really catching up the game. Uh, and I think another thing is on the smaller medium businesses, it's important for them to be prepared because they could be the next side of target AI. It's all about making the game difficult. The big boys are definitely making it difficult. So the next in line are the small and medium enterprises and they better be prepared to, to handle that wave when it hits them. So I think uh, that's a big message for those companies that always ignore, uh, uh, we are too small, you know, uh, this is, we are not the target. We may not be the target. Uh, they may be the target for information that they hold themselves or more damagingly, they could be the targets to actually attack the bigger fishes by compromising their networks. Right. Right. So I think there is a common understanding now. It's common wisdom that, you know, buying the next uh, shiny box probably is not going to solve this problem. So like you said, maybe process re-engineering or maybe security awareness programs, the people and process side of things need to be addressed more. Absolutely. Varun, you hit the nail on that, right? And I truly believe, I think technology possibly solutions could be garbage in, garbage out, right? I've seen organizations putting millions of dollars in technology components and then not really achieving the intent, the objective that they initially wanted to. It's very important for organizations to really invest it's, it's like an investment right you really need to find out which are the most risky areas exposure areas to so, so that you can really protect those areas first you have limited resources limited budgets go for those uh, do an enterprise risk assessment again going back to the basics right follow those tenets and then really look at mitigating the controls mitigating the risk on the most critical asset first and then going forward from there uh, and and to your point uh, absolutely agree i think technology is just one part of the puzzle a far greater puzzle is on the people and process which may not be repeatable and, and reproducible right people i would call it even even the highest priority so on that note you know a concluding question for you ashish is say in light of all these trends that you highlighted today if you were a security practitioner at an enterprise today how would you respond what is the checklist that you would follow to make sure that you have yourself covered and your organization covered wow you stumped me on that one i think that's a very difficult question to give a checklist you know for an organization but i think i, I absolutely agree the game is definitely difficult for the cso's for the cios nowadays i think i would give two or three things right as a takeaway uh, as best practices one you make your board, your stakeholders, you make them cyber literate, right? Gone are the days where you used to have, you know, financial literacy being uh, a check in the box for all senior management employees. I think cyber literacy is far more important nowadays. Keep them informed, make them engage in your initiatives, take their inputs and obviously keep them up to date and coordinate uh, things through them. That's one. Second is when you implement security strategy, a one size fits all approach doesn't really work here, right? You can't, one, from a manufacturing industry perspective, you can't implement controls like a bank. Second, the threats could be very, very different for different industries. So one of the things which is definitely big time important for leaders to go through in our Verizon Data Beach investigation report of 2017 is the industry insight. I think that's something which I forgot to cover earlier, but it's absolutely very important and something new that we are doing this year is that we are having industry specific insight. You know, who are the threat actors? What are the threat assets? Uh, you know, what are the threat motives for that sector? Uh, which are the common pitfalls? What are the best practices? I think understand your industry, understand your threats, and then, you know, 
or really carve out a strategy which will work best for your organization, right? Don't follow the crowd, focus on what you have, the limited resources and what are you trying to protect, then go for it. So that's second. And I think the third point, very importantly, is, you know, use your investments effectively. All the three tenets of security, you know, whether it is uh, prevention, detection or response, I think you need to really invest judiciously in all these three areas. Don't put all your money on one part. You need to really be very, very strong on the response side as well. So organizations need to really think that how would they really react? And we do a lot of these kind of things, uh, simulations and tabletop exercises. I think we see a lot of senior executives really appreciating going through these details, going through that panic moment. Experiencing that panic moment is very important to not only contain the risk on a timely basis, but also to respond effectively to external media, regulators, government, law enforcement. You know, it could really be uh, something that can go out of your hand if you are not really very well prepared to handle it. Right, Ashish. Thanks so much for your insight. Always a pleasure, Varun. Thank you. So that was Ashish Thapar, Managing Principal APAC for Verizon Enterprise Solutions. For ISMG in Asia, this is Varun Haran. Thanks for listening.